Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, Matthew chapter 12. And verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, that which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what it means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So here we find Jesus, and it is the Sabbath day. It is a day of rest, and he is out with his disciples, and he is taking a stroll through these grain fields. It would be the equivalent of us having a day off, and we're relaxing, and we are going for a walk on the beach, and we're just kind of picking up beach shells. And so Jesus is relaxing, taking his day off, and all of a sudden, his disciples begin to pick these grains of wheat and eat them. When all of a sudden the Pharisees jump out of the bushes and they say, wait a minute, Jesus, do you not see what your disciples are doing? It is not lawful for them to do this, for today is the Sabbath. Now this, in those days, even by their standards, would be considered extremely, extremely petty. For what they were doing is they were equating the disciples taking these grains and equating that to harvesting. And you can't harvest on the Sabbath. You can't work. So they're, they're saying, look at what they're doing. They're doing this kind of work. They're, they're picking this, this grain. They, they shouldn't be doing that. That would be the equivalent of today, me walking outside, taking a big glass of water, pouring it on the ground, and someone saying, hey, you're littering. It's like, what? The pettiness. The pettiness. It, it makes no sense. It would be the equivalent of getting a speeding ticket because you went 36 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. I mean, even the cop would be like, what? No, just, just go. Or it would be the equivalent of squeezing the toothpaste from the middle of the tube instead of the back of the tube, which my wife tells me, you're not supposed to squeeze from the middle. You only squeeze toothpaste from the back. And so they're doing this, and the Pharisees decide to call them on it. What are you doing? You are picking this grain. And you've got to remember... Who it is that's making this accusation about the disciples? Remember, day off, Sabbath, they're walking through the fields. The Pharisees make this judgment, and these Pharisees are people that are leaders in the community. They know the law, and they know the word inside and out. They have the Old Testament scriptures, and they've known them, they've studied them, they can quote them to you. The Pharisees, even in those days, would have gone so far as they would count the number of words 
in the Bible, and they would count the number of letters in those words. They would find out what exactly was the middle word, the middle word of the Bible, and what was the middle word of that, and the middle word of that, and how many times the word V, or the letter V was used, or how many times the word this was used. So everything about the scriptures they've studied, they've devoted their life to knowing the word, to knowing the law. And so these guys are very, very familiar with the scriptures. And so they're jumping out of the bush and they're accusing the disciples of doing something that is unlawful. And now I want to remind you of the very next words that Jesus says. He says this, Have you not read? This would be extremely, extremely insulting. Have you not read? Oh, yes, I read. I devout my entire life. I know the Bible inside and out. I read it every day. I could quote any scripture you like. This would be the equivalent of going to a doctor and saying, have you not gone to medical school? You're an electrician. Do you not know that green is ground and red is hot? And so he's saying these things to these Pharisees, and they are very, very offended at this point, saying, have you not read? And so there's this kind of discussion about the word, about reading the Bible. The Pharisees are saying one thing, oh, it's unlawful for your disciples to be doing what you're doing. And Jesus is saying, well, have you not read? And he begins to point out their own hypocrisies. Have you ever met someone that's a so-called expert in a certain field only to spend some time with them and realize they are not as smart as they say they are. It's like, wow, you look the part. It's kind of like going golfing with me. I got the shoes. I got the 1970s get-up with the plaid pants. Charles lets me borrow them. I got my golf clubs, and I look the part. But the second I hit that ball, you know that I can't play golf. And the same thing is happening with these Pharisees. They look the part. They know the word inside and out. They could quote scripture for you. And Jesus is saying, have you not read? Very, very insulting. Uh, Luke 11 and 39, Jesus, again, is talking to some Pharisees and some leaders. And he's, he, he equates this. He says this, you guys are like this cup. And you, you get out your Windex and your, your, your shining stuff, and you get the outside of the cup looking really, really good, but on the inside, it's filthy. Say, man, y'all have cleaned the outside of the cup, and it looks good, but on the inside. How often sometimes as Christians can we get caught up with cleaning the outside of the cup? With doing all of the ABCs of Christianity and all along on the inside. Uh, I was maybe 17 years old and looking for a new car. So I'm going to all these car lots, car lot to car lot, and I find this one real sweet red sports car. I don't know, what, I can't remember what it was, but it was just, it was awesome. I was like, man, this thing's sweet. It was like 3500 bucks. I'm like, yeah, it's just so cheap, you know? I'm like, I'm going to get this car. And, but before I buy any call, car, I always give my dad a call because he is a mechanic, and I'd know zero. I could, like, change a tire. And 
dad, come check out this car. It's awesome. He gets there, and, you know, I've inspected the car. Like, you know, you kick the tires, and, like, there's oil in it. You know, it starts. It's a good car. And uh, he starts looking at it. He's, like, on the ground, and he's, like, doing all this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing, dad? And he just looks at me, and he's just like, I'm like, what? What's the problem? And he, like, looks under, and there's this, this like, little crack in, in the metal thing. Suspension. No, not suspension. The thing. Chassis? Some part of the car. There's a, that's, I don't, you know, don't hire me to work on your car. And so there's this crack, and then he just begins to tell me how this car has been wrecked. And I'm like, no, but look on the outside. It's so beautiful. I mean, the paint's perfect, everything. It's like, no, this one crack right here, you're going to have nothing but problems with this car. This is wrong. This is wrong. And he showed me where. I'm just like, oh, man. It looked the part. It looked like an awesome red sports car. It probably would have been a couple months later, and I would have been sitting on the side of the road. <laughs> it's easy to get caught up looking the part. It's easy to, as Christians, begin to read the Bible and do it in such a way where we're only cleaning the outside of the cup. Where we use the Bible as this kind of spiritual kung fu to prove our points to justify our actions when we know that we're wrong. I know you can't agree again, <laughs> so just kind of nod your head and be like, huh. We've been, I've seen it time and time again. I, I actually have a buddy here this morning that told me this story years ago of um, this guy who is, uh, went through all these things, and he gave this definition of a Christian and he said, you want to know what a Christian is? A Christian is someone who knows the Bible well enough to justify anything they do. And just hearing that just like, gosh, just broke my heart. Because so many people have that kind of mindset about Christianity and, and how their, their approach. And how as Christians we don't say, you know what, I, I don't know all the answers sometimes. I don't have all the questions. And yes, sometimes people, you know, I just, I hurt with you. I struggle with you. And sometimes that's what people are looking for, but yet sometimes we turn into Job's friends and we give them, oh, well, let me tell you this about the Bible. And if you would have done this, and let me point out all of your sins and all this stuff. And Job's friends were amazing people until they started to open their mouth. It all went downhill when they started to quote all of the scriptures. And here's the thing. A lot of the things that they were saying were true. And here they are talking to this man that's lost everything in his life. He has a piece of broken pottery, and he's scraping his skin because he's in so much pain. And his friends are telling him, oh, it's because of the sin in your life. Forgive us. If as Christians we have sat with another that's in pain and felt like we needed to point out all the ways that w they went wrong. Sometimes we just need to sit and listen and enter in to their pain, kind of like how Jesus did with us. He didn't just stay up in heaven, but he came down and entered into humanity and suffered death on the cross. And showed us he is one that is familiar with the pain and the suffering. When we read the Bible, we can read it 
and we can become like these Pharisees that know it inside and out, but yet have no understanding. We can know all the right words, do all the right things, know all the right people, and yet have no understanding of what it means. And Jesus says that if you would have only known what this means, that I desire mercy over sacrifice. He's saying, yeah, you know the word. You've read it inside and out. You've devoted all this time, and yet you don't even know what this means, that I desire mercy over sacrifice. So the kind of natural next question arises is, well, how do we know if we are simply washing the outside of the cup, if we're becoming more and more like these Pharisees or more and more like Jesus? I think that's a pretty valid question. Because the longer you go with this walk, that question will arise. Am I becoming more and more like Jesus, or am I becoming just more and more religious? First way of telling, do we use our words to prove our point or to prove his point? Are we more concerned about being right than we are helping the person? Are we more concerned about being right than we are about helping this person. In Luke chapter 10, there's a famous story that you may have heard about the Good Samaritan. And at the beginning of the story, in verse 25, something I'd like to point out, it says in verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, speaking of Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to them, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? In other words, what have you read about this? You're a teacher. You're a teacher of the law. What have you read in your reading? And he answered this. And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He answers the question perfectly. And Jesus says to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. And now here comes the real kicker in verse 29. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So here is someone that's asked a question and has answered it perfectly. And Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. But he wanting to justify himself said, well, who is my neighbor? And then that's when Jesus begins to talk about the Good Samaritan. How often do we get in situations where we want to justify ourselves, where we want to prove ourselves right? And Jesus says back in Matthew, if we would have done this, we would not have condemned the guiltless. We're so easy sometimes to want to condemn people. And Jesus is saying, I desire mercy over sacrifice. Are we quick to give our mercy? Are we quick to give mercy to those that are in need of it? How often do we find ourselves being quick to judge? We see someone on the streets who's down and out on their luck, or we see someone at our workplace, or someone that's even hooked on drugs, or living a crazy life, and we're quick to judge. 
are we quick to have mercy? Because that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, have you not read? Do you not know? You can know everything inside and out, but if you would only know mercy, if you would only know how much in need you are, you wouldn't be so quick to judge that other person. Because the reality of the situation is you need me just as much as they do, and you don't even realize it. You think you've got it all figured out. If not by the grace and mercy of God, you would not be where you are at right now. If not by his grace and his mercy. What say did you have in it about not being born in Africa, a little baby with HIV? Or your family growing up entirely Muslim or Hindu? Or being born into an area where you worship a thousand gods? Because you had such a big say in that. We all had such a big, big part to play in that decision. Mercy over judgment, yet we're so quick to judge, and we're so quick, and God's just kind of saying, man, if you would just understand this, everything else will begin to make sense. Everything else. You can know, and you could answer all the right questions, you could give the right answers, and yet you could still be missing the point. You can know it inside and out, and still be a long ways off. And sometimes it's just because we want to justify ourselves. So are we kind of washing the outside of the cup? A good way to know is if we are trying to justify ourselves. Another way to know is if we make it the habit of playing the spiritual hall monitor. If we find ourselves like, our, like the Pharisees looking onto others and just waiting for the second that they do something wrong to catch them on it. Oh wait, I saw you did this the other day. Oh, you did that. You're disqualified. You're not a good person. You're a sinner. Are we find ourselves playing the spiritual hall monitor, watching and seeing? Um, I've told the story before of um, my favorite preacher, uh, T.D. Jakes. He tells the story of him being in a prison and just talking to all of these guys. And they had gotten to the dis- this discussion where finally one of the prisoners just kind of broke down and said, you know, uh, Jakes, how, I just want to know all the stuff you're talking about. How, how did you do it? How did you, how did you do it? And he said, in that moment, he had a decision to make. He could give the spiritual answer and say, well, A, B, C, D, this is how I did it. Or he could tell the truth. And he said, At that moment, he decided to tell the truth. And he said, brother, you've made a faulty assumption. You've assumed that I figured it out. I'm still working on it. Still by the grace of God is that I am where I am today, that I'm doing these things only by the grace of God that I'm not sitting in your chair right now talking to these guys in prisons. And he said, you know, I could have put on this kind of spiritual mask and made these guys believe that I was something that I was not. You know, they see me on TV and they see me preaching and speaking to all these thousands of people. But the fact of the matter is, I'm working this thing out with them, just like they are. Do we want, when 
do we want when confronted with these questions? Do we want to kind of put up that mask? Do we put up that kind of spiritual front to make people think that we're more spiritual or more Christian than we really are? Because here's the thing. Once you start wearing that mask, once you start having people believe that you're something that you're not, it's not long before you can't figure out which is the mask and which one's real. It's not long before you look in the mirror and you can't no longer tell anymore. You begin to believe your own hype. And it's a scary, scary thing. We begin to pretend so long that almost the pretend becomes real. I know that you guys know what I'm talking about. We're tempted to wash the outside of the cup, to put on this spiritual mask, this knowledge. It's hard to take it off. These are some ways of knowing if we're reading the Bible wrong. Because if we're reading and this is what it's producing, we're moving in the wrong direction. If you're just washing the outside of the cup, you're reading it wrong. In other words, if you become a Christian and you're doing all these things, and if at some point in time you begin to think that you're better than others, you've missed it. You're reading the Bible wrong. So what are some things that it does produce? The more that you read about the Bible, the more you learn about Jesus and his ways, and the more knowledge that you gain and the more understanding you have, the more you realize how little you know. That's what the Bible produces. You begin to realize, wow, he is big and I am small. And it should produce a sense of humility inside of each and every one of us. As we begin to read these words in the life and teachings of Christ, it should produce a sense of, wow, how could I for one minute be prideful? It should produce a type of humility. It should produce a mercy over judgment. It should produce this knowledge of knowing that you are in desperate need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 53, it makes reference of Jesus being a man of sorrows. In Ecclesiastes 1.18, Solomon is speaking. He says, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge sometimes is to increase our sorrows. The more we know, the more it causes us to fall on our knees in prayers and tears. Um, I remember hearing a story of a businessman that was in an airport and he was uh, wait, waiting on his plane, and he was sitting in one of those shoe-shining stations. So he sat down, he opened the paper, and he was reading, and this young eight-year-old boy just came up and began to clean his shoes. And he get, and it gave the boy no attention at all. The time came where his shoes were done cleaning, and uh, he went to look down at his shoes, and they were worse than when he had got them to be cleaned. There was just smears all over them and spots, and they were expensive, expensive shoes. And he just looked at the boy, what have you done? You have destroyed my shoes. These are great, expensive shoes, and you have destroyed them. And at that point, the boy just kind of 
lifted his head up and tears were falling down his eyes. And those tears had fallen down his eyes and they had landed on that man's shoes. And he said, sir, I'm so, so sorry. I just found out that my mother and father have died. And I don't know what I'm going to do. The more we know, the less quicker we are to judge. The more apt we are to have a little bit of mercy, a little bit of compassion. That person in your life that you know that maybe you've judged kind of quickly, maybe take some time to hear their story to hear the things that are going on in their life? Have we taken the time simply just to listen and to hear and to care and to love? The Bible should produce this type of humility, this type of mercy. The Pharisees are quick to judge. But here's the thing. The Bible isn't this list of rules and regulations of all the things that we can do. It's a book of life. It's a book that tells us not just what we can do, but what we can do. Not what we can't do, but what we can do. In John 20, verse 31, it says this, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So here this verse is telling us the reason why these things are written is, first of all, that you may believe. And here's the thing. This is where often, sadly, most of us stop. We become Christians. We say a prayer. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he's our Savior. We love him. He loves us. And that's it. We stop doing certain things, don't cuss as much, don't drink as much, don't smoke as much, and we believe in Christ. But we forget the second part of the verse. The second part of the verse says, believing that you may have life in his name. That through reading this thing, it brings us into this knowledge and knowing of true life. So that means this, that whenever I read all of these wonderful, wonderful stories, It's not that I sit back and I look and I say, wow, David, what an amazing man. Wow, look, he slayed the giants. It's just not a cool story that I can look back and say that's cool. It's also a testimony of the life that I am supposed to live. So not only is David supposed to slay giants, I myself am supposed to slay giants. It's a testimony in that in believing, I could have this kind of life that the Bible speaks about. Not that only Daniel can go into a lion's den and and escape a certain death, but I, too, can be surrounded and face certain death and yet come out untouched. I, too, can walk through fire and not even smell like smoke. It's a book of life. It brings us into new life. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come to the sea. 